If you would say the prayer of illumination with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Um, the scripture reads, We must give give thanks, we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me one more time? Just bow your heads. Holy God, we pray that you would speak through me, perhaps even in spite of me, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right. Let's start off with a little honesty today. Has anyone in here ever run out of gas before? Raise your show of hands. Yes? Okay, so we got some honest people. No, I'm sure. I know a lot of us probably have run out of gas or been close to running out of gas. Some of us are, um, not, not Pastor David always, but some of us, uh, they, you refill your tank every time it gets below half a tank. You just make sure that you never get there. Um, uh, I see some finger pointing. That's all right. But if you've ever run out of gas, um, I was thinking about when I was in college, um, I ran out of gas. It was one of those situations uh, being a, a broke college student. I, it was a Thursday, and the tank was low, and I was trying to make it to Friday morning when the paycheck would hit my account and I would be able to buy some gas. And so I'm, I'm, I thought I could make it to school and back to school on a very low tank, and I ended up not being able to make it back, uh, back home on that low tank and running out of gas and needing to call uh, for help. But if you've ever run out of gas, what I, always, what I think is funny, when you, when you get low, if you've ever been close to running out of gas, how many of you change the way that you drive? I mean, like, instead of when the, the light turns green, you don't jump on the gas, you kind of ease into it, hoping, and, and you're coasting as much as you can, hoping not to save, right, to, 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 to save that little bit of gas as long as, as you can, right? I think about that because I think sometimes we live our lives sort of like that running on empty, Right, where you're just trying to, to, you can only offer up a little bit. You're not ready to put, a, put your foot on the gas. We just kind of ease into everything because we, we feel like we can't give too much. Um, if we live our life in that sort of scarcity mindset. Maybe for those people who haven't run out of gas before, maybe another analogy. My friend, my, one of my best friends in college, his father uh, grew up in Guyana, and he grew up kind of poor in Guyana, right? Um, and so he lived his life sort of like he was still the poor kid in Guyana, even though he, he, he came to America, got a degree, um, he was working for IBM as an engineer, his wife was a nurse, so they were doing, this is the 80s, they were doing well, right? And my friend was said that in his house, they never had name brand anything, right? There was no Uncle Ben's rice, it was just a package that said rice on it, right? There was, there was no fruit loops, there was just like fruit 
fruit-flavored circles, right? You, you know what I'm talking about there. He never had an Oreo until he got to college. It was always just O's or, or chocolate O's or something like that, right? So his father never got out of being the poor kid from Guyana. If your parents grew up in the Depression, you sort of know what this is like. They never get over kind of being in that hard situation. Some of us, we live our lives as if our love is on empty, right? Like we can run out. We, 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 we live our lives as if love is a non-renewable resource, right? That we could suddenly um, just be out of, out of gas. And we, we sort of putter along, hoping to get from, from this place to the next. And I, I was thinking about that and because well, scripture today, um, the scripture I read I just want you to see the image of the church that Paul is painting. He's writing to this church and he says in the text that I read, it says they're experiencing persecution and all of these things. And Paul says, I just want to thank God on your behalf. Right? God, he's praising God because he says their faith is growing in abundance. And their love is increasing day by day for one another. Can you imagine that their faith and their love is just exploding? And when you read the scriptures, you will see that God in the, in the Bible often talks about love and about faith in this way. But, but truthfully, we don't always live with our love and our faith on display like that. Our, our sermon series today, which is not on the screen, is um, called Abundant Love. And, um, and, and our Abundant Love is, is the idea that I, I want to talk about um, in, the, in the coming weeks about what God's love looks like. One, one way of thinking about this, I think, is um, a parable that often gets used around stewardship time, but I think it pertains to this, and it's the parable of the talents. Do y'all remember the parable of the talents? Um, uh, uh, the story goes that a, a ruler, a master, he, he was going away, and he was going to leave his, 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 dom his domain for a while, and he called three slaves, and he said, hey guys, um, I'm going to give you some talents. To one he gave five talents, and to one he gave two, and to one he gave only one. And, when he, and he went on for a long trip, and they were supposed to take care of these talents. And when he got back, um, Jesus tells this in, in Matthew chapter 25, when, he, when, when the master got back, he came to the servants and he said, um, make an account before me. And the servant with five talents, he said, master, I know how you are. I know that you would want to return. So I went and invested. I bought some things and, I, and you know, he, he, he did something and he, he made the five talents into ten talents. He had, he had doubled what, the, what, what, what he had received, right? And then um, the other servant that got two talents, he said, he's similar, he said, God, you know, I know what you're like, and I, I went, and here's four talents for the two talents that you gave me. But the one who, who only got one talent, he, he comes, he says, Master, I know you're hard, and you always want to return on your investment. You always want, um, you, he says, you take, it, uh, you take even what, what you did not sow. He says, so I took the talent that you gave me, and I buried it in the ground. And here's your talent back. And I just, I, I think about that, imagining that, right? That he's got this, this dusty whatever, and he's, you know, scraping the dirt off and saying, here's the thing that you gave me. I didn't do anything with it. And I, I thought about for us, how terrible it is that God has given us, poured out his love for us as believers. The Bible says over and over again that God has poured out his love for us. 
And at the end of our lives, do we want to say, you know, the God is the love that you gave me. I, I buried it. Blow off the dust. Here's what you gave me. I think that what that, that oftentimes we pastors use that scripture to, to say about how we should give more, but I want to use that today to talk about how we should love with all of our hearts. That, that our call to be loving children of God um, is not restricted to sort of, sometimes when we run, we're running on empty, we, we want to restrict our love to maybe our household. Maybe we, we'll think about our relatives, our, our extended relatives sometimes, but, but we have a whole community in need of love, and we are called to be the agents of love for this community. To, to live out our faith without scarcity in mind, but remember that we serve a God who, has, who gives in abundance. Right? We serve a God who, who gives and gives and gives over and over again. The scriptures talk about God's abundant love for his people and, and the abundance in which he gives. In, in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. That's how he describes his mission on earth, to give life and, and life in abundance. And, and here's the beauty of it. When we live this way, when we live lives of abundance, particularly abundant love, when we live that way, we mirror, we imitate the God who made us. The book of 1 John, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, um, the writer, he says, he says that God, is, um, God has loved us and we are called to love one another. And he says, he says, you cannot say that you're of God if you do not love one another. And anyone who loves others, who, who pours out their love for other people, are imitating God because God is love. The very nature of God's heartbeat is abundant love. And if we, as believers, if we are going to line up with God's heartbeat, we have to be people of abundant love. Not a little love, not, not, a, not, not a despair change of love, but, but give our whole hearts for the world around us. We are called to, um, to, to, to give love. The passage says, it, it, I love the way he says, their love is increasing more and more. They're, they, the, 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 the church of Thessalonians, I mean, they're experiencing hardship and persecution, and he says, but, but I can brag on you because I can see how your love is just growing and growing and growing, how, how the magnitude of your love is having an impact on the community around you. People know about your church, not just in Thessalonica, but even back in Jerusalem, they know about your church because of the way that you give and love other, for others around you. This was the hallmark of the early church and what I love is he says their faith is growing in abundance because the way we love others begins to shape our faith. It increases our faith. It's, it's an act of faith to love and, and to know that we are loved, right? One way to think about it, um, the, the, the idea of abundant love changing a life is in the, the, the life of our, the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, John Wesley. If you get to, I was talking to the kids about, um, the confirmands about this uh, last uh, couple weeks ago. We were talking about John Wesley's life. And if you look at his life, um, John Wesley is the son of Church of England 
uh, pastor. His father's a Church of England pastor. His mother's father and his, his father's father are, are pastors in the Church of England. So, I mean, he's, he's super churched, right? He goes to church every day of the week, right? And, and John Wesley grew up believing in God, but also but sort of having this... He, he talk, talked about his heart sort of running on empty in this way because he was trying to do everything he could to, to live up to God, to, to sort of present himself and make himself worthy to God, right? He talks about all of the things, activities that he did. When he went off to Oxford College, he, he started this group called the Holy Club, and they would, they would um, fast every two times a week. They would, before intermittent fasting was popular, him and his friends were fasting two times a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. They went to prisons every week to talk to prisoners, to hospitals every week to, talk, to pray for people. I mean, they did a lot of holy stuff, but it wasn't, he, what he talks about, it wasn't out of the storehouse of his love for God and his love for others, but from a place of scarcity. God, do you have enough love for me? If I do, if I act good enough, will you have enough love for me? And he, he talks about his journey, and um, I, I think I've talked about this before, but he went to Georgia. Um, and on his trip to Georgia, it sort of began to change his life because he met these Moravians. And um, he went to Georgia, and he thought he was going to save the Native Americans, and he was going to preach the gospel. He met a girl who did, um, that he fell in love with but did not feel the same way for for him, they had a situation shift that turned into a friend zone, if I'm using the slang the way the, the teenagers use it. Um, and, and so basically, John Wesley did, he's unrequited love. He, he liked her, she didn't like him, she had eyes for somebody else, and um, he decided that he would not serve her communion anymore. Um, right? That's not a good thing. That's not, not a good thing. And, and he got ran out of Georgia. Hops on a, on a boat with his brother to come back to England. And on that trip, they hit storms, and they, were, they happened to be on a boat with these group of um, religious people called Moravians. They were, they were sort of like the Pentecostals of his day. If you know, they, they were they singing loud and forever, right? Services last forever, sort of a thing. And, um, and he says that, and as they hit the storm, they're singing about God's love, and they had no fear because they were sure of God's love for them. Right, this is why Charles Wesley met these same people while he wrote Blessed Assurance, right? Jesus is mine, over oh, the foretaste of glory divine, right? This, this assurance of God's love for you. And later on in his life at a Moravian meeting, he, he comes and he talks about his heart being strangely warmed. This is when he would say he was saved because he knew that God loved him. What came over him was this, this assurance of God's love for him. Um, and, and the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in, like, in the book of Ephesians and even in Colossians, about being, knowing what God has done for you, that Jesus came, he gave his life for you, that, that he rescued you, that God's love for you is so immense that you could never explore the depths of it fully. Right? And, and what happened in John Wesley's life is when he gave himself over to that sort of abundant love, when he realized that God's love for him was inexhaustible, when he began to love others in that way, all of a sudden he's, this movement was created. There would be no Methodist movement without the realization of abundant love. I call to abundant love. So, in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk to you more about, about this, this idea of love. 
February is always a good month to talk about love, but I, I, will, I will say this to you, that just like our car needs gas, if you are going to live in abundant love, you, you can't run on empty. And I would invite you, in the, as we move into February, February and we move into Lent, to make sure that you're doing the things that help remind you of God's love for you. Right? Like prayer. John Wesley called them the means of grace. Right? Prayer and Bible study. Singing. Um, the reason that we sing hymns on Sunday morning is to praise God and to, be, to remember God's love for, for us. We're going to sing a song, Is He Worthy? It says, is he worthy? Is he worthy? And the, the answer is yes, he is. He is worthy of love. He is worthy of our devotion. And when I sing songs, I remember what God has done for me. And, and as I, I think about my current circumstances and the problems that I face today, when I sing songs and I remember what God has already done, I'm reminded of the power of God's love at work in my life. Right? That, that God has already done so much for me, so why do I have to be afraid about the current moment that I am in? Uh, for me, I, I think about when I, when, when I was um, sitting in the hospital room next to Sarah when we were, we were pregnant with our first daughter and, and she was going to be on bed rest for six months. So I, I think about when I lost my brother and I thought, how will I get through this? And God kept me in the storm. What has God done for you? When you are singing these hymns and we are, we're talking about God's power, do you ever consider what God has done for you already? I see some head nods. Some people can say amen because God, they can remember where God rescued them when, when they were both college students and they weren't sure about the future and God saved them or when they were in difficult straits. So I want to invite you in this season to consider God's power and love and work at work in your life. Because it is from that source that we begin to, to dig, um, to, to, to take, to draw from, right? So that God's love for us becomes like a well. In the, in, in the book of John, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, he says that it'll be like a well of living water springing inside of you. You won't have to keep coming back to this. Right? One way to think about it is, um, anybody ever seen a kid try to fill up a cup of water? Um, if your kids, if you ever had a kid like my kids, uh, my youngest daughter, when she goes to the refrigerator to fill up a cup of water, um, she does not put a little bit of water in it. She fills it all the way up to the brim, right? And, and what happens is she carry that water cup back to the table, and I can follow the path. I can see everywhere that she's gone because there's, there's water, you know, splashes of water here and there, and I can tell everywhere that she's been. Our lives are supposed to be sort of like that. Because of God's love and work in us, coming and dwelling up in us, everywhere we go, people should be able to follow behind you and know that Christians have been there, right? Because our love splashed on, that, on the school nearest to us, right? Because our love splashed on the neighborhood or behind us, right? So that, then over the years, people can look back and say some Christians have been in this community because we can see their love all the places where God's abundant love in their lives swelled up, poured over the edges out into the world around them. 
We, we are called to abundant love. We are called to love with all that we have and to pour it out. And here's the beauty of it. You, it will, you will never run out. You can never exhaust God's love in you. It will always sprout anew. Ministries who live like this, they don't, they don't get bogged down in what happened in the past because they know what God can do in the now and what God will move them to in the future. When we escape this mindset, we begin to live not for um, the fear of what might, the, what might go wrong, but on the possibility of what might happen when we say yes to what Jesus is doing. So I want to invite you in this season to consider what God is calling you to. What, what is the yes that you are afraid to, to say yes to because you will run out? Because I'm telling you, you cannot run out. God's love for you is inexhaustible. I invite you to think about where you may offer your splashes next. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray for me? Merciful God, you are holy, you are gracious, you are righteous. Your love for us is inexhaustible. Your love for us surrounds us and swells up in us, Lord God. And so we pray, Lord God, for the ministries and the, the places where you are calling us to show your love, to, to, to demonstrate your love for the world in desperate need. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I invite you.